People love to despise a villain. As humans, it's inherently in us to oppose those who willingly cross the line and do wrong to others. Some of us are vocal about it, others remain silent. Yet most of us form some sort of shared opinion in one way or another. We like to think that we are the protagonist in the story, that we are the ones that would fight for good and truth and take a stand against those who do evil. Often people look at various atrocities throughout history and stand proud. For instance, we do this with Adolf Hitler and everything that he did. Many, myself included, whether it be inwardly or outwardly, claim that it's quite obvious he was so evil of a man, I would do anything to stop him if I could. Yet as history shows us, this blatantly evil man ended up with millions upon millions of followers. Millions upon millions that ended up having a hand and exterminating millions upon millions. You see, we tend to believe in our outright goodness so much that most people would agree that they would never waver their inherent goodwill to follow an evil person. But then there's the question, what if the evil person doesn't seem evil at all? What if the evil person seems like the good guy? I'm Marshall Coleman, and this is Storyfold. In the 1950s, a man by the name of Jim Jones started teaching throughout churches in Indiana. It was a huge stepping stone of success to where he wanted to end up in the future. You see, after a difficult childhood, where he was said to be a social outcast, he finally felt that he had found his place. Due to the outpour of time and attention he constantly received from other people, he finally felt like he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He finally felt like he found his calling. He loved having people come to him for their needs. He loved how they sought help and time from him above anyone else in the church. He loved how people would listen to him. And arguably most of all, he loved the power he could have in the midst of the people. After ending up in different areas, he finally found his permanent church. In 1956, with the help of a few others, he started the People's Temple Christian Church Full Gospel. The church became rather popular for its vocal support of popular political protests of the day, ranging from racism to integration to various other things. Focusing on topics such as these, as well as being a leading voice for those who felt like outcasts in their own lives, led Jim Jones to gain a huge popularity that started to gain a lot of attention. So much attention eventually was put on him and his congregation that he wanted more. He wanted more popularity, more prominence, or as he put it, influence. And he moved his congregation to San Francisco. The move for him and his church paid off. The congregation grew exponentially, eventually opening two other branches of the People's Temple in San Fernando and Los Angeles as well. People flocked to him, citing him as a hero for the oppressed, a person who would stand up against injustice loudly 
and boldly and would not back down. Someone who was doing an honorable thing that no one else would. He was loved by many, praised for what he was doing. And he gained a dedicated following, not just from those who were feeling rejected and oppressed by life, but eventually by those who some would even consider normal, everyday people, parents and families of the city and other suburbs. He was well-liked, celebrated for everything that he spoke and for his actions. It is here, though, that the true colors of who he was underneath his white priest collar finally came out. Everything that he previously was said to stand for, everything he used to get the power that he had, all the teachings, all the theology, everything he steered away from. And his followers, they were fine with it. He denounced Christianity, and he said it was a religion for a fake sky god. He then encouraged his followers to instead put their faith into extreme socialism and communism fully devoting their lives to these concepts and to essentially lose their own identity for the sake of these ideologies. And he proudly proclaimed if they wanted a God to follow, to put their faith into, they should put it into him, their pastor, their God, Jim Jones. Yeah, seems like a fantastic idea. Of course, I'm kidding. Now, I know you're probably thinking, I'd be out of there in a heartbeat. There's no way I would stay after hearing that man. And I think I would too. But most of the people in this situation, the ones who heard him in person say these things, among a wild amount of other crazy and frightening things, did one of the scariest things they could possibly do. They stayed and continued to follow after him. Then, Jones's bizarre and radical ideas kicked into high gear when, in 1974, he claimed that his people needed refuge and had to leave not just the San Francisco area, but the United States as soon as possible. When, in actuality, it seemed he just wanted a place to be able to have power over his followers without any outside influences getting in the way. He founded Jonestown, a 3,000-acre portion of land in the northwest corner of Guyana, a country in northern South America. Jonestown was made as a self-described utopia for the People's Temple to live freely and collectively as communists and socialists, and to do as they pleased, away from scrutiny from the outside world, away from any fears of nuclear war, which Jones was reportedly very much worried about, and also away from anyone who opposed their leader, the man the People's Temple still saw as a good and gracious and a wonderful man, Jim Jones. Jonestown was made into a fully functioning community rather quickly, 
and by 1977, hundreds of followers poured into the settlement for good. Just over 1,000 residents ended up living there, fully buying into the ideas Jim Jones set out in front of them from the beginning. But his ideas, unfortunately, were not done yet. By 1978, Jones had an idea that would eclipse all his other irrational ones. Due to a variety of things going on, so much pain and hurt in life and in this world, and also due to a possible nuclear war that he thought was going to happen, he decided to do something deadly, to make a poison version of a grape flavor aid, equivalent to today's Kool-Aid, and serve it to everyone in his congregation as a, quote, escape from the mess of the world. So on November 18th, 1978, he gathered the People's Temple under a meeting pavilion and told them his plan. A recording of Jones and screams of those listening to his words can be heard as the drinks of death are being taken by his congregation. For obvious haunting and disturbing reasons, I'm not going to play the tape here. But on the tape, Jones can be heard saying things to those who are screaming as they watched children and women, fathers, daughters, mothers, brothers, sisters, consuming these drinks that would kill them. You can hear Jones saying, Stop these hysterics. This is not the way for people who are socialists or communists to die. No way for us to die. We must die with some dignity. And then, as if justifying what was happening, he continues with, We didn't commit suicide here. We committed an act of revolutionary suicide, protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. And just like that, 909 of the People's Temple, over 300 of them children, took their last drink and died. And eventually, Jim Jones took a bullet to the head from himself. It was the largest event like this in modern history and resulted in the single largest loss of American life in one act until September 11, 2001. As reports of this mass murder-suicide came out shocking the world, so did the investigations and what they found within this truly evil man. They discovered that Jones was a heavy drug user, primarily using an excessive amount of LSD and cannabis together. They also found from stories over the course of his career that he severely sexually abused hundreds of members of his congregation in horrible ways I don't feel necessary going into detail about here. His thoughts and actions as a leader were found to be very much reflecting those of oppressors he ended up revering as a young child. He was found to be a devout studier at an early age of leaders like Chinese Communist leader Mao Zedong, leader of Soviet Russia Joseph Stalin, and as it turns out, the former Chancellor of Germany and leader of the Nazi Party, Adolf Hitler. 
See, there is evil in this world. There are wicked people. Stories like Jim Jones's are only an ounce of those stories that exist throughout history and today. And it's from the stories of these atrocities and of darkness that we can still learn something. That this is the way we don't want to live. And that these stories are the ones that inspire us to take a stand against the evils of this world and do the one thing that silences it. Do good. Good, like the reported 87 survivors of the Jonestown Massacre who have told their truths over the years, who have shed a light on the darkness that occurred, who have shared their stories to not let the evil they went through have the last say. May you do the same as you take a stand against evil, refusing to drink its Kool-Aid. And may that story never go untold. Storyfold was produced by me, Marshall Coleman. For music used in this episode, check out the episode on my website, marshallcoleman.net slash storyfold. And while you're there, you can sign up for my newsletter, where you'll be sent the transcript to each episode, as well as other great content, blog posts, books, and stories that will continue to help your story find meaning. And as always, if you wouldn't mind taking a second to subscribe and write a review, that would be fantastic. The show would not be possible without you. Thank you so much in advance. <laughs>